Hey, this is Sharon Srivatsa. Welcome back to the Business School Podcast. And in this episode, I'm going to do something a little different for you. Um, I recently was invited to do the commencement speech at Luther College, my alma mater, and was super grateful to be invited to do this. It's it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for most people. And uh, so I was excited to do this. But the last time I had actually sat in that seat while graduating was 22 years ago. So I stopped over the last 10 plus weeks to think about what I had learned in the last 22 years, and how can I succinctly break that down into a great message for those graduates? And so while going through this process of like reviewing and recapping the things that I'd learned, I thought I would break down the three lessons that I'd learned with you, which was the baseline for my commencement speech talk overall. So in this episode, I break down the three lessons compressed down in 22 years, and it all starts right now. One thing is for certain, just because it's tried and true doesn't mean it's working right now. So the big question is this, where can you learn what is working right now? The strategies, the tactics, the psychology, and the exact how-to, how to grow your business, how to blow up your personal brand and supercharge your personal growth. That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Sharon Srivatsa, and welcome to Business School. In this episode, I'm going to give you the gift of time. I'm going to compress 22 years into under 10 minutes. And the big part of this is a gift that I actually gave myself. So uh, let me take you behind the scenes. Uh, recently, my alma mater, where I went to college, actually called and said, Hey, Sharon, would you be open to doing the commencement address for our graduating class for 2023? And by the way, this it's pretty cool to be asked to do that. I think most people in their lifetimes would not get asked to do that. I'm so very grateful for it. In fact, when I talked to the the president of the, the school, I, I shared with her that I said, you know, thank you so much for inviting me because this is a bucket list item that nobody actually puts on their bucket list, which actually shows, allows you to go back in time and say, wow, I was there. What do I actually share with this group? So I recently did this commencement speech. I'll actually link that up in the show notes if you would like to see it. But more importantly, I want to take you behind the scenes and give you the thinking around it because I spent, you know, 10 plus weeks thinking about how much I had grown and what I had actually learned in the last 22 years uh, of being in that seat. And I thought that was really important to be able to learn and reflect and share because those graduates sitting in those seats have no idea what's coming. And I have walked in their shoes 22 years ahead, can I look back and give them a few lessons that may be helpful? But here's the best part. So I came up with three lessons, but I started with this. I started by saying, speaking the truth. Speaking the truth is really important because if you don't, then no one really recognizes the fact that they're like, all right, here's another guy going to spew some lessons at us. And why should we listen to this person? It doesn't matter if they have credibility. It doesn't matter if they're accomplished. It doesn't matter if they're the president of the United States. It doesn't matter if they're Jennifer Lopez. Like, it does not matter. The truth is what gets the vulnerability. The truth is what gets their mind open. And I told them the truth. And the truth was that I didn't remember my commencement speaker. Imagine that. Imagine a commencement speaker getting up and telling you, hey, I sat in your shoes 22 years ago and I did not remember my commencement speaker. And even even more, I didn't have no idea what he said. 
So not only did I not remember him, and he was like a Nobel laureate or something, and I don't remember anything that he said. In fact, I took it to a whole new level where I interviewed, uh, six, not interviewed, I asked, I asked 63 people because I was keeping track. The 61 out of the 63 people that I asked did not remember their commencement speaker and, and had no idea what they said. So I was like, that's really interesting. Now you may be wondering, all right, who are the 60, who are the other two? Because I 61 out of 63. Well, one person told me that they remembered, two people told me that they remember their commencement speaker. One was Colin Powell. The other was Madeleine Albright. I was like, well, of course I would remember if my commencement speaker was Colin Powell or Madeleine Albright. And the crazy part is I said, well, do you remember anything that they said? Of course not. They did not. So I, we are in a little interesting predicament, right? Like I am the commencement speaker. There is a history of no one remembering who their commencement speaker was. And if they did, they have no idea what they said. So there's a good chance that what I'm going to say is going to be forgotten. And so I had to find a way to explain that truth to them and why they should listen, why they should remember, and why they should repeat these lessons, which I got them to do. I got them to actually turn to their neighbor and repeat these three lessons that I'm going to share with you here in a completely different way. All right. So uh, lesson number one, looking back 22 years, I would say this is the number one lesson that I've learned is there is no way that we're going to have an easy life. Yeah, some things are going to be fun. Some things are going to be hard, but a lot of things are just going to be hard. We every they, we get knocked down every single day. We get challenged every single day. We get pushed every single day. Unless we go in, punch in, do our work, punch out. Each one of us is being pushed and challenged every single day. Each one of us is being kicked in the teeth every single day. Like life throws us crazy challenges. And the interesting part is that none of us have the skill out of the gate to handle these. Like today, if I got a tough phone call and I would be able to handle it a lot better than that I did 22 years ago. Today, if I had a, um, you know, a, a tough legal situation, I would be able to handle it much better than I did 22 years ago. Today, if I had a tough employee situation, I'd be better to handle it than 22 years ago. Today, if I had a tough money situation, I'd be better handle it than I did 22 years ago. So what's the difference? You can't just wait for the school of hard knocks to teach you lessons that you learn over time, right? That's okay. But if we all are going to learn everything that we need to learn, guaranteed, but not if it takes us the rest of our lives. What is the, like, we want to teach, I want to teach my children a lot of things, but some things they have to learn the hard way, like they have to fall and they have to stick their finger finger in a socket and get shocked and all of that is true. But can we give people an advantage? So here's lesson number one, which is transformations don't happen in isolation. I, I will tell you that transformations do not happen in isolation. And the reason we don't want to get transformed is we're too afraid to do one thing, and that's to ask for help. We don't, we as a species are like, are just taught, are not taught to ask for help. And it's, it's asking for help is embarrassing. Even from the time we were kids in a classroom, just raising our hands and asking a dumb question like how to do that math problem was embarrassing. In fact, we didn't want to get called on, so we never raised our hands. So we never asked for help. No one asked for help. And so the only people that actually put up their hands were the smart Alex in the front of the room saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the good student, right? So we've asking for help has just never been a part of, just never been, it's been really, really hard to teach people to ask for help, especially if they have no clue 
how to solve it. And then we tell people, hey, you're an adult now. You can't live under my roof. Get out, figure it out. I paid for school. I did my work. I, you went to college, all of that. Figure it out. That's what we tell our kids because our responsibility as parents is over, right? Because we got them to college. We got them to school. Now it's, their, now it's their responsibility. Life has to teach them the lesson of hard knocks. But we don't teach them the fact that transformations don't happen in isolation. The, the skill that we should be teaching people is not how to figure it out. The skill that we should also be teaching people is how to ask for help. Most people just don't know how to ask for help. Most people just don't know how to reach out to their alumni and ask for a connection. Most people just don't know how to reach out to a friend and say, hey, I know you just bought a house. I'm thinking about buying a house. I don't know how to ask for help. Most people don't know how to ask anyone for help. And it can be just a script. It can be a process. It can be just getting over yourself. But if we don't realize that transformations don't happen in isolation, then we're then we're going to struggle. Why do you think there's this aimless culture of scrolling on social media? What are people doing just looking at YouTube video after YouTube video or, or short or for short or a reel after reel or Instagram? After, what are they looking for? The subconscious mind is searching for something that they're looking for. The subconscious mind is searching for an idea and a, a, a seed of inspiration, something, but they can't find it. Why? Because they're looking for help. They're looking for something. Yes, they want to be entertained, but they're looking for help. And we got to teach people to ask for help because transformations don't happen in isolation. I will tell you this, and I can't believe I'm telling you this. I will tell you that the best advice I've gotten for has always been free. But the stuff that I implemented was always from someone that I paid. Think about that for a second. I was thinking about this. The best advice that I've gotten was always free. But the stuff that I implemented was always the stuff that I paid for. Now, that's interesting because when people tell me, oh, I have to pay for this advice. I'm like, you don't realize the best advice that I got was always free. The stuff that I implemented was the one that I paid for because when you pay, you pay attention, right? And now, yeah, did have I implemented some ideas that were free that I picked up from, a, you know, watching, a, re, listening to a podcast or reading a book, et cetera? Sure. And hopefully you pick up something from this. But the best ideas I've gotten, the best ideas I've gotten have been free. But the ones that I've implemented almost always have been the ones I pay, ones I paid for. And so if transformations don't happen in isolation, the question is, you just have to figure out how you're wired. Are you more wired to pay for a coach, mentor, or advisor? Are you more wired to work in community by being in a coaching or community group? Are you more wired if you're in a, a mastermind group? Are you more wired if you buy a course and follow it step by step? Like, what is it? Because we, the way to ask for help is to understand how you work. And most of us are never, don't figure out how we're wired until so much later in life. And they're like, ah, I'm just not that person. Well, I wish you'd known that and said that and designed that and articulated that 22 years ago. Because if I had known that I'm an auditory learner, I've known that I'm a, you know, I, I the, 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 the top things of what I implemented, I got from paid advice. I would have just paid earlier. So I waited too long to figure it out. And that's lesson number one, which is transformations don't happen in, in isolation. All right, here's lesson number two. Lesson number two actually comes from my, from my daughter. Um, I was on a phone call with somebody and we were talking about uh, how we know a guy who is a one-trick pony, right? He's like, oh, he's a one-trick pony. And we use this all the time. Oh, he's a one-trick pony. You know, he plays baseball and he's a one-trick pony. Or he's really good at math and he's a one-trick pony. Or he's a, um, he's, you know, has perfect pitch and he's a one-trick pony. Well, my daughter, who's seven years old, reminded me that, a one-trick pony is actually a unicorn. Like, think about that for a second. A one-trick pony is actually a unicorn, meaning 
if you didn't know unicorns, they're these magical creatures that live on the other side of the rainbow, right? But but unicorns have this, the mythology behind them that each unicorn has one magical power, one trick, one magical power. Every unicorn is a cool unicorn. They were born in the middle of the night, you know, on a stuffy cloud, but they all have one magical power. They can be invisible, they can grant you a wish, they can shrink in sizes, they can go black and white, they can make genies appear, whatever, right? <laughs> Every unicorn has one magical power. That means a one-trick pony is a unicorn. And most people that we know are unicorns. That's who we remember. Michael Jordan is a one-trick pony. Tiger Woods is a one-trick pony. Elon Musk, even though he's half alien, is a one-trick one pony. Bill Gates is a one-trick pony. Like, it's Warren Buffett, the greatest investor of all, all our time, is a one-trick pony. So if you if you think about all the people that you know, they do one thing really, really well, and they are one-trick ponies. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that because it's mastery. It is totally okay. So yeah, in life, we're supposed to explore the things that we love. You can We can explore all we want, but exploration at some point needs to turn into a decision for mastery. At what point are you going to stop exploring? Because not for any other reason, because it's, I mean, unless there is a, you know, Rockefeller or Vanderbilt trust fund, I'm sorry, you have to do something because you got to create your path in this world. So how do you get there? You get there through mastery. You get there, you get there not by moving money around. You get there through the skill that you deploy in the marketplace. You get there by becoming at some point a one trick pony that you choose that one trick that you're going to do better than everyone else in the marketplace. That's how you become special. That's how you get rewarded for being who you are. And those that are one-trick ponies are really good one-trick ponies. They are unicorns. So this brings me to lesson number two, which is to do great things, we have to do fewer things. To do great things, we have to do fewer things. Now, I'm really glad that I did some, uh, I got a lot of experience doing a lot of different things because I was unsure of what I, what my one-trick was. So for the last 22 years, I've tried to do various things. I, you know, did the technology world. We had some success. I did the hospitality world. I had some success. I did the uh, tennis world. We had some success. I did uh, investment banking. We had some success. I did the uh, entrepreneurial thing. And that's when I realized, I was like, oh, okay, I'm built for this. My one trick is to be, is built to uh, help companies grow. Like I am, that's a, that's a good skill of mine. Now, is it the best in the world? Maybe not, but is the track record show that I can do it? Yes. So awesome. I should do more of that because as I work on my one trick, I get better at my one trick and that's a really good thing. But because of that, I've had to say no to other things because to do great things, you have to do fewer things. I don't, I, I used to think that I was a venture capitalist and I could invest in startups and make a ton of cash. And I did, and I burned more money than I thought. And I'm, I realized that I'm not a good, I, I'm, I'm not a good angel investor. Like, Maybe you need portfolio theory and time and stuff around it. And I've done, you know, way too many of those investments. I still have a lot of those, but I've just realized that I'm not as good at it. And it's not good or bad. I'm just not as good at it. I'm actually better operating than I'm investing in a in a startup. So I just realized that, and it took me way too long and a lot of money to do that because to do great things, you have to do fewer things. So the question is, at what point do you and I choose to do fewer things? At what point do you and I say no more than we say yes? Because we also realize that the more we say yes to the same thing, 
not fewer things, the same thing, the more we get mastery in it. So lesson number two, to do great things, we have to do fewer things. All right, so lesson number three is actually the easiest, which is a lesson that I learned post having children and definitely did not know earlier is I always thought about what was next. I always thought about like, hey, what's the next goal? What's the next thing we can do? What's the next thing we can build? Where's the next trip we can go? I always was thinking about the next. And I've realized that it's not just always about the next. And we lose the present if we only focus on the future. And it's not like, oh, Sharon, like, don't do anything woo-woo about being present right now and being where your feet are and all that. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the reason we are unable to stay in the present is because we don't have a reason to stay in the present. Say it again. The reason we are unable to stay in the present, to stay grounded, to stay focused, to stay appreciative, to stay grateful, to stay drawn to the emotion of right now is because we don't have a reason to stay in the present. When we're at a kitchen table and uh, we're all eating dinner and we're looking at our phones, why? Why are we staying? Why are we not present? Because we have no reason to stay in the present because, yeah, it's fun to be with our children and whatever, but you know you you can do it again in five hours on their next meal. So it's not, but if you had your last meal with uh, five friends and you don't, you're, you're not going to see them for 10 years, you're going to put your phone away. 100% you're going to put your phone away. Why? Because you have a reason to be present. A lot of times we don't have a reason to be present and I want to give you that reason. And that reason is this, which is lesson number three. We get more of what we celebrate. We get more of what we celebrate. So how we celebrate things is super important. And when we celebrate things, we have a reason for celebration. And when you have a reason for celebration, you actually stay present. So if if my friend um, closed a deal and I said, hey, every time we close a deal, we're going to celebrate, there's a reason for celebration. And so when we get together for a cup of coffee or drinks or dinner, like I'm not distracted. I'm right there. I'm celebrating. And then what happens? We get into, we get wired to celebrate more of more deals. What, if we celebrate, if we celebrate our week every Sunday, you get more of what we celebrate. We go, we have traditions based on celebration. You, if every time you, uh, every time you, I don't know, uh, get a new client, maybe you, maybe you celebrate by going out for ice cream. It's great. Well, it's whatever you want to do, but you get more of what you, what we celebrate. We also don't teach a culture of celebration to our families, to our children. And that's the one thing that we had at school. Like we would celebrate more. And I don't think as adults, we celebrate enough. And it, it can be, yes, you, um, you can be seven years old and want to take, you know, a day off on your birthday. Sorry. Like if that's, if you're into that, that's totally fine. But celebrating a birthday is just not enough. What are you celebrating? It's just not enough. You want to celebrate more things, right? You want to celebrate more things. And I don't mean you get more of what you celebrate as in your birthday is going to come every year, right? You can like blow, you know, knock yourself out. Like that's fine. And I'm not, I don't care about birthdays because that's a given. I'm going to get older every single year, whether you like it or I like it or whether the world likes it or not, either my birthday is going to come next year or I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be done and I would have kicked the bucket. Well, those are the only two options, right? So I have no control over whether my birthday is going to come, but I do have control over knowing that every time I get a client, I get to celebrate because then my, my there is a wiring mechanism for getting more clients so I can celebrate more because your body wants to what? Your brain wants to what? 
wants to celebrate more because celebration has all kinds of happy hormones that are introduced and the body keeps wanting to get back there, right? And you want to get back into that state because you want to get more of what we celebrate. Getting more of what we celebrate rewires our body. Celebrating rewires our minds and our ecosystems knowing that, huh, this is a good thing. We should do more of this to get this result because we get more of what we celebrate. If you want something and you've got it sometime and you want that to happen more and more, celebrate more. Celebrate more in the smallest possible way. There is this habit reward loop, right? There's a trigger and action and a reward. It's no different to for how you feel you know, biochemically because you get more of what you celebrate. So that's lesson number three. We get more of what we celebrate. Wanted to kind of take you through those three big lessons. It was my thinking. Those that was my thinking while I, uh, I was while I wrote down and shortlisted my you know my my talk, and some of these stories are what I told. But I wanted to reconstruct this for you because uh, almost all of you that are listening to this were not there at the event while I was doing the commencement speech. But I thought I would break down the thinking and share this with you because uh, if I could. If, if that was my best learning over the last 22 years, to compress that into a short amount of time to share with you, I, I hope that that helped you just as much as it helped, uh, helped you know, the thousands of graduates that day. So uh, three lessons recap. Number one, transformations don't happen in isolation. Number two, I, to do great things, we must do fewer things. And number three, we get more of what we celebrate. If this is if this was interesting at all, just uh, I would love to know because it's a little different from what I normally tactically share. So if this was interesting and all, if you could just screenshot this episode and just tag me on social, tell me what you thought. At least I'll know whether I should do more like this for you or not. So um, that way it'll know whether this was helpful and I should make more or make different stuff for you. So if you like this, screenshot, give me a note or send me a note on Instagram. That way I know, but do that and it'll help me a lot knowing what I can make for you next. Have an awesome, um, have an awesome day. I'll catch you on the next one. Hey, Sharon, I have a cool gift for you. Since you like this podcast, I actually have an ultra super secret private podcast that I make just for my partner companies and the CEOs and influencers that I advise. It's called 10K Wisdom because I try to wrap $10,000 worth of value in every single episode in just under 10 minutes. That's why it's called 10K Wisdom. It's raw, it's real, it's got no intro or outro or anything like that. It's just straight to the point and to the insights. Since you like this podcast, I think you will like that. So for the first time, I'm making it available to you. Just go to 10kwisdom.com, the number 10kwisdom.com, and my team will activate it for you as my gift. Go to 10kwisdom.com. I'll see you there.